understand that there is a process and there's a grace that you get to give yourself and hopefully your partner will as well because it is a huge mental thing that you are now processing through of what is reality, what is true, what is true for me, who am I, what is my truth, how can I find my intuition again through this, how can I bring to the surface my own self-worth through this process. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome to Hope to Recharge. Thank you for joining me here today. I, I'm taking a deep breath because I'm so excited right now. I'm like so excited. I was just telling our guest that I ran back from the city after taking a train for an hour in an, a train in, a train out and being in the city for 45 minutes just in order to make this on time. And I'm very into valuing time. And when I checked in with our guest, if I can be a little bit late, she mentioned that she has a class to go to. And I'm like, okay, Matana, be on time, do whatever you need to do to get back on time. So thank God I made it on time. And I'm so excited. I'm beyond excited to have Dr. Jen, Dr. Jen Fit. Dr. Jen Fit came into my life through Instagram. She is a mobility magic magician. She's all about mobility. I think she has a program called the Mobility Method, probably other mobility magic programs, but she's all about mobility. She is a PT, a doctor, and a sunshine to this world. So thank you for joining me here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Such <laughs> and, a sweet intro. <laughs> she, so, so Dr. Jen is more than a doctor. She's an incredible human, really an incredible human. And if you know her from her Instagram, it's always full of a smile. Even though she can be standing upside down, inside out, pulled from all the sides of the, of the room, she's still smiling. And one of the things that really attracted me to follow her on Instagram, besides the fact that she taught me a lot about my body and with me suffering from migraines, she gave me amazing tips about my migraines and stiffness in my shoulders and my, and my hips and my foot. Every time I had a question, I sent it Jen's way, but there was something so genuine, so genuine and loving. And she always, always responds. It was like, not she's not too big. Yes, she has a ton of followers on Instagram and she's very popular, but she cares. She really cares. And you see that she does it with passion. Like it was something that she loves. And I just was like a magnet to her. And then I met her at an event like a year or two after. And then I met her again in a trade show somewhere. And I said, Jen, I need to have you on my show. And I was sure she's going to say, oh, I don't have time because she's super busy. She's like always traveling, always at different events, always doing some kind of a project or a challenge or something. Something is always going on. She's super busy, but she made time for us. So we really need to thank her for making time for us because this conversation will be a little bit different than the usual conversation. And I want to explain to the audience what I mean. We usually talk about depression and anxiety, people that are born to it or people that are living with somebody that's suffering with depression and anxiety 
anxiety or mental health, Jen is here because she's going to share something that she went through in her life that before she went through this, she had no idea. I shouldn't say no idea, but she never had the emotion of depression. She never had to battle it. And after her episode that she will go into, she came across a very hard time smiling like she always smiled. And I remember seeing her picture on Instagram and I wasn't reading the the underneath. I wasn't reading the post. Usually her posts are very detailed and very OCD. <laughs> right? Yeah, there's a lot of information in them. I, I always <laughs> wonder how many hours of the day she has because she's always super informative and she puts everything into it. It's not like, oh, let's slap another post on. Everything is so detailed that everybody can get the maximum out of the post. So, I'm, so I don't always read the entire post, but I said, oh my gosh, her face is not shining. Something's up. And I went down and I see that she's talking about her pain. And it was so painful for for me to read, I had to stop reading in the middle, I must say. And I think you had how many comments on one of the first posts? Over almost 5,000. Yeah, f like 5,000 people commented on, on Jen's pain because we turned to Jen for stability, for mobility. Really, we turned to you yeah. to fit, to be healthy, to be alive, to move, to act. And when our shining star, our sunshine is depleted, we're depleted. And that's the way I really felt. I'm not joking. I really felt depleted. Like my stomach was with a knot. I didn't even know how to react. And I remember sending you just a message with a sad face because I didn't have words to express. And I said that after a few months, I saw you evolving and your sunshine was coming back and you went through the process of healing. And I thought it was such an important message that I want to give over to the, my audience that sometimes life gives us so many challenges when we're not expecting it. So there's one thing to be born with mental health or to be aware that we are struggling with it. That's part of us. Then there's we're walking in the street and it's like a car accident and suddenly boom, out of nowhere, something happens to us and we drop like a hundred feet and we're not prepared and we go into this deep, dark place. How do we prepare for it? And that's what I'm going to go through in this show with you in this episode. How do we prepare? And I think you, from all the years that you did prepare, even not knowing that you're preparing, you prepared it as a gift from God. And that's why I think a big part of your recovery was fast and finding your new journey was fast because you were strong. Do you agree uh, yeah. with me? 100%. I mean, I think not only physically, but I've done so much personal growth and personal development work throughout my time mm. in that previous journey that once it finally all collapsed, mm. <laughs> um, I didn't take it personally like I know most would. Wow, that's big. <laughs> yeah. So you were as if your subconscious knew that something was coming and you were preparing for the hurricane. Yeah, 100%. Wow. You speak about a, a lot about the gut feeling. Mm -hmm. So maybe you did have that gut feeling and you were preparing subconsciously to something and you were doing the self-help and the awareness for mm -hmm. the moment that might strike you and you were able to not fall apart and lose everything because of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, was it still a shock to the system? A hundred percent. And, yeah. and um, I didn't ever have a gut feeling that something
something of that magnitude was happening. But at the same time, I knew that someone else's choices didn't dictate who I am or my own worth. Mm -hmm. And that's what was super powerful for me to be able to uncover and unpack and, and like stand in firm and strong and know that this had nothing to do with who I am as a human, Mm -hmm. my worth, or that I couldn't find another person who, you know, would be full of integrity and loyalty. Like I knew that had to be out there because it was in with it was it's in within me. Mm-hmm. Right. We have to give a background yeah. to our audience <laughs> because we went straight. We were as if we're on a coffee date here, and we know what's going on. And the audience is like, okay, so let's get the background. So first yeah. of all, I want to give them a little bit of a background on where you grew up, how old you are, where did you go to school, how did you get into fitness and your hobbies? Sure. So I grew up as a gymnast for nine years. Um, I quit when I was 16 because, or I like to say retired when I was 16 because I just came to a point where I felt like I was doing it for my parents or for my coaches. And I didn't feel like it was for me anymore. And But I still loved the movement and I loved the body. And so I continued after that to coach gymnastics Mm -hmm. and stumbled along Pilates, discovered Pilates throughout the way and ended up teaching Pilates for about six years through undergrad and grad school. And I loved just studying human movement. I loved, you know, the ability to modify movement within Pilates and teach someone to still be able to have a great workout, but not have pain and modify around pain or injury or anything they had. And that was great. And like taping ankles I could do for gymnastics and all these things, but it was like, but why? And I continue to have that passion of like, how else can I help the body? Why am I taping an ankle? Why am I modifying around injury or pain? And it was this constant search of why that really led me down the path to pursue physical therapy and wanting to, I was just so fascinated always by watching therapists of how they would feel movement within their hands or watch a patient walk. And I was always like, what are they watching? You know? And so it was just this fascination to want to learn more about the body. Um, I loved moving my own, but how could I help another? How can I help someone else tap into their body? And for me, really, movement has just been part of life. And this is why also, like, I'm so open to my own lessons and my journeys through life because I believe that there's, we don't have to fall in order to to win. You don't have to fail in order to learn the lessons. I think if you're open to others' experiences and learning the lessons from other people or teachers or whoever it is, then you have an opportunity to, you know, rise above any situation you're at without having to fail completely. So I don't always like that in the self-help world. I think it's a lot of that, like I came from this and now I'm here and I went rock bottom and now I'm here. And, And though that's a part of my journey is really hitting rock bottom and in a relationship sense. Mm -hmm. I don't think everyone has to just like I have been fit my entire life. And yet I built an Instagram on fitness or a social media through fitness and inspire and empower people into their bodies without having to go from out of shape to in shape or anything like that. And I'm still able to inspire people. So that's why it's always like, you don't have to hit bottom. So how can I, so how can I take you along my journey? Right. And be open with my journey. And, and when I do have those extreme lows, hope you don't have to experience that as well. Hopefully you can learn from my journey. Mm. Did your parents send you to mobility to to gymnastics because you were very, oh, you're always dancing. <laughs> like, what was it that they said you need to go for nine years? For me and my family, we actually, my parents actually had a requirement that we had to be in some kind of sport um, mm-hmm. all through grade school, all the way through high school. 
And so that was kind of a requirement in my family. And even our vacations, it was like every winter we would go snowboarding or skiing and every summer we had a boat and we would take that out. So as a family, we were a very active family and that again is just a lifestyle. So um, I tried everything. I tried soccer. I hated it. Sat on the sidelines and cried. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I tried softball. I was horrible at it. I tried dance. I thought the girls were mean. Um, And so (laughs) gymnastics is just what I happened to stumble upon and actually fell in love with. They had me starting at the YMCA before they had a competitive program and then transferred me into um, a program that would actually have competitions that I can start to progress in and everything. And so from there, it was just my choice. Like, I don't want to do any other sport. Like, this is what I love. And it really, it was amazing too, because I remember in elementary school when my grades started to drop and they were like, well, we're going to have to pull you from gymnastics if you can't get your grades up high. And I remember crying like, what? You can't take this away from me. So, So it was a great like motivator to understand, okay, how can I make this all work? How can I be a great student, get my stuff done, study and learn in gymnastics and play with my friends and, and grow in that aspect as well? So gymnastics and being in a sport in general just really taught me discipline, hard work, um, consistency, you know, really even in gymnastics, especially like doing the work without someone having to count you. Like, are you going to do the work on your own? And is that going to show in in competition? So really like your own integrity within the practice and everything. So it taught me so many incredible lessons that I'm just so grateful for. Why do you think it was important to your parents that you take a sports? What's their background that they, that that was a family requirement? (laughs) Um, My lifestyle as well (laughs) for them. Um, for my dad, not as much. My mom has always been an avid exercise workout person. Um, she, her her dad was even harsher and a little bit militant in terms of how she had to move into her body. But uh, they really just wanted that whole, wow, like giving you the opportunity to learn the tools outside of just the home. And again, what does discipline mean? What does hard work mean? What does being committed to something mean? Mm-hmm. And and having us like embody that through sport. Um, so I'm super grateful. Like it yeah. sounds, you know, maybe... No, it was that's exactly the word I wanted to say. You must be so grateful. So grateful because it it has never been, even if I, I have weeks where I've like, you know, oh, I slow down on my exercise program. It's not something that I don't beat myself up for because I know I'm going to step back into it because it's something that just a part of my life. Like I love, I love it. I don't care if I'm getting outside and walking, that still counts as movement or if I'm sweating in the gym, like I love it. And it's a part of my lifestyle. That's how I like to look at it. And when I did go through what we're going to talk about, I actually took a step back and listened to my body in a, in a different way. Mm, right. Not physically, but emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went into, you decided you're going to leave gymnastics, you're going to take it to the next level of <laughs> helping, not just performing, but mm-hmm. helping. You wanted to make a difference. Yeah. And yeah, I just loved it. <laughs> how many years were you in school? Um, it was four years of undergrad. And then I had about a year and a half of prereqs to finish up and then three years of grad school. Oh my God. It's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. When do you start making money with this whole process? <laughs> Not until a while after you graduate. 
Um, and, and that was the thing that, that I think holds people back from going to grad school. And I get it, like loans, it's a lot of money, but I never saw it as that. It's something that like, okay, this is what I have to do in order to do what I want to do. Like, that's just the process. I didn't let it scare me or hold me back. It was just like, this is the process. I want to be a PT. I don't love school. Like my mm -hmm. mom and my sister love school. They're mm -hmm. teachers. They can go forever. <laughs> I'm right. not that person, but I right. knew that this was part of my path in order to become a physical therapist. And so it was just like, okay, this is what I got to do. Yeah. And you went with a smile like you are today, always <laughs> smiling and laughing and giggling. Yeah. <laughs> were, were you always a sunshine growing up? Um, a very shy one. Yes. <laughs> I remember I, the first time you, I met you, she, you're like, I'm really shy. I said, you are? <laughs> <laughs> very introverted, very shy. Um, that took me a long time to really be able to break out. Like I remember when my Instagram started growing and I was like, oh my God, people are coming to my page. Right. Like don't show my face anymore. Only show right. what my body can do. Oh, That's what wow. it became a part about. And, um, and I would find, you know, the, the comments or anything that would validate why I shouldn't show my face. <gasps> That's bad. Bad. I mean, we look for the evidence to prove wow. whatever story we want. Wow. wow. I'm happy you changed that. And I hope, I'm happy you changed the story in your head because yes. I, I connected to your smile more than your downward dog or your upside down <laughs> uh, um, hanging from, from the ceiling. Oh, well, I, good. <laughs> I connected to your smile and that's what made me look into your Instagram and ask you, okay, my shoulders are so caught. Like I get a migraine twice a, a month. What should I do? My hips yeah. are tight. I can't do frog pose. What should I do? And it was always a very encouraging comment. Listen to your body. What I do is not what you do. Um, go with the flow. I could do certain things that you can't do. You could do certain things that I can do. So it was very, very humbling, I must say. Really, really humbling. Um, so thank you. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California, um, about an hour and a half southeast of LA. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you've, you're, you've, you're there now. You've never um, I'm in LA now. <laughs> right. So yeah. But you've never left. California. Right. You've never left. So you don't know the other part of, of the world, right? <laughs> well, I, d I did three months in New York from January to March. So oh. I did have my first snow day. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> but you're, you're a Cali girl. I am. Okay. I love, I love the heat. I love the yeah. sun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you started your practice and you started Instagramming and you started having clients and, and growing. And then um, I want to give the audience a little bit of a background. She had a very intense relationship, boyfriend, her boyfriend was a very public figure, which made her a public figure, right? You became public figures together. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. You like, were at the time... more public than he was. At the time that we met, I had more of a following than he did. Right. I, we were we were popular in different ways. Right. Like he right. was, you know, more in right. the online marketing, and I was more in in the social media world. So it was right. just, yeah, right. So you were both building your careers side by side. So you were a very public couple, and you were a couple out loud. Like you were. We we went through your journey together, both in your careers and as a couple. Is that correct? For some, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm very open and honest. So if like if I'm feeling away, like I post it and I share it, and I'm happy to share it. You know. Right. I I felt that way. 
I felt like we were going alongside you both in your careers and in your in your personal journey together. And it was inspiring because there wasn't that boundary. You, it, We felt like we were your friends in your mm. journey. And then what happened? Um, and then I was unfortunately sent some information about infidelity and just unfaithfulness. Um, and that was my moment of experiencing what, um, you know, what would feel like a panic attack and high, high anxiety. The reason that I even spoke up about this and, and said it isn't like, it has nothing to do with the public figures and the numbers right. or anything like that. You know, it, the fact that so many people reach out to me saying this happens all the time and me too, and me too, or I haven't told anyone that that happens. And, and it's just, it's this continual, you know, experience that people are going through and one for especially women feeling really shamed about, mm. um, feeling really like, where do you go from there? Mm-hmm. And and it just it, I wanted to speak out about this because one we don't need to be shameful for our stories and our truth and what happens in our in our world and in our lives and true vulnerability is being able to step into that and show that it's a strength and it's something that we go through and I'm here with you to go through it together mm-hmm. and so for me wanting to speak out about it especially because I had done so much personal development work that helped me to then see it once it hit like oh my god this has nothing to do with me like nothing. This is all that person's choices and whatever was happening in that world. Mm-hmm. And and though there was misalignment, I never made that choice. Mm-hmm. I didn't do those. So I know that for me, my truth stands that I am who I am and I can draw in another person that stands in integrity and loyalty. I have to take a deep breath because... That's something I think that we all have to take in because we do doubt ourselves. Whatever whatever it is along life, we doubt ourselves with failure, with other people's failures. Mm-hmm. It could be in business, it could be in friendship, it can be in a relationship that something goes wrong. And then we have to look inside and say, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, but it takes such strength to actually stop and pause and not have those mind games going on. Right. Because that's what was happening. And, and that's the hardest part to overcome. Anytime you have been through betrayal or some kind of manipulation or whatever it may be, that is, it's a huge mind game to dive into after that. And then there's also the acknowledgement of how you drew that in, whether it was personal, romantic, or business. Mm-hmm. Um, what were the signs that you were avoiding seeing? Um, who was the person that you were showing up in that experience? And and then the huge part for me was forgiveness of myself. Yeah. For not walking away. For not walking away. You mean when your gut was saying something was wrong? Yeah. Before you had facts, you yes. had this feeling something's off. Yes. How long were you in a relationship for with him? Um, a little over four years. And from the beginning, you felt something off or into the relationship, you started f- like listening, not listening to your gut. If I would have listened to who I truly am and my, my highest values, I would have known from the very beginning. <sighs> that is forgiveness. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think... Um, is it Oprah that talks about that? I think Oprah or Brene Brown, the biggest forgiveness we have to give ourselves for yeah. not beating, beating ourselves up about I should have, I could have, what if. And the, the forgiveness starts with us. And if we don't forgive ourselves, we will never forgive others. Yeah. 
A hundred percent. Wow. Did you know that before this happened, before that awful truth came to reality? I had been introduced a lot to forgiveness and what that means and all these things, but I, I was choosing to not listen. I was choosing to stay in the potential of what could be, in the potential of, of but what if this happens? And what if like we end up better? A and fantasy. If, yes living into instead of seeing who was directly in front of me and now. actually being presented the now and going by that but it's such a hard balance jen because we always like our life is never perfect we always go yeah. through the roller coaster right mm-hmm. so when do we learn to listen to ourselves and when do we say stop when did we learn not to listen to ourselves i think that's where it goes back to even deeper and that's where i had to observe in myself too like i knew when i wanted to quit gymnastics and that was a hard thing for me to i even wrote a letter to my mom because i was scared to even just tell her like but it was something that i knew and then she went and told my coaches and my coaches had a big talk with me, but I stood firm and like, this is what I'm feeling. And I know that this is where like, I'm just, I don't want to go and do this in college. So I'm going to quit right now. Mm. And that was, that was the biggest, just after nine years of that being my life, that was the biggest decision I had ever made to date, you know, but I stood firm in trusting myself and doing that rather than allowing what could be or listening to other people. So I was that person at one time. Where did I lose that along the way? When did I stop trusting wow. myself? You know, and that's what I really get to look into and and assess. And and you know, I I think I'm still <laughs> kind of looking into those kinds of things because it's like, okay, well, I I grew up in a very structured life and like always listening to what I should be doing and what like going to church and doing college and doing this and and I was very much the the um, a listener the obeyer. Very, very much. Yeah. Like follow the rules. I remember even with my cousins who are like my best friends growing up and we would do Halloween together. I was always like, if we did like, what is it called? Wizard of Oz. I was always Dorothy because I'm Little Miss Perfect. Like that, that was like the epitome of me. I was Little Miss Perfect who followed the rules. Mm-hmm. So I think also being a people pleaser, I opened myself up to wanting to please other people, wanting to help, wanting to, you know, see how we we can make it work or whatever that may be. And so I ended up falling into this pattern of being there for other people more than I was for myself and not trust, starting to not trust myself anymore. Well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm not enough. Why is it that we have that? Like from utero, we come out with that. What is it about us? We're so phenomenal. We're so beyond phenomenal. Why do we have that in our head? I know. And, uh, you know, it's so many different experiences that get we re- uh, rewired in different patterns, right? Whether it's from familial or friends or any kind of any trauma, like no trauma outweighs another because whatever you experienced, that's what you made be- to believe. And that's what you put inside your nervous system. So overcoming those patterns, that's hard. And that was one of the biggest things to forgive myself as well. Like I chose to stay in a relationship that continued to repeat to myself that I am not enough. If I need to be more of something, I need to be more of more giving. I need to be more, you know, understanding. I need to be more accepting. I need to be more of this. Whatever I'm saying I need to be more of, I'm saying I'm not enough as I am right now. Wow. Wow. Can you be my coach? 
<laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I need, I'm going to put this on play every single day. You're enough. You're enough. You're enough. Because I struggle with it a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm working with my coach now on this actually. Yeah. Why? Like, and if you would put on paper what we are, we would be like, if we were our friends. Yes. We wouldn't be like so proud to be our friend, right? For some reason, when we look in the mirror, we doubt. But you said something so profound. I think it was on one of your Instagram stories or a post, or I don't remember where I wrote, where I read it. You you said we are a product of what we attract. And like we we're, we're basically a magnet and we have to figure out why are we attracting these people into our lives? What is it about us? And we have to change that in us to not attract this into us. Did you learn what what it was that was attracting that? 100%. Um, for me, it was, it was self-worth. Like I, five years ago, I was so insecure. That's when my Instagram started to grow and I shot away from posting anything of my face and only posted my body and what you know, look at this, don't look at who I am. And I went through a whole, like through that relationship, can, kind of like coming back into me and, and realizing my own worth and my own beauty and my own things and and going through the whole gamut of, of me. Like I learned a lot. So this person was also put in my path for a reason. Mm. And I had so much growth through that relationship as I was trying to seek, how can I be more? How can I be more? I was actually seeking myself. And I'm grateful for that. I learned so much about myself and I learned the greatest lesson I could have ever learned that I can trust myself and that little intuition that that knowing within my body gets to actually be heard because it's right. Wow. And I wasn't allowing that to come to the surface until everything exploded. But it, it was the best. I'm so grateful for the lesson, like so incredibly grateful. And I, and I don't regret anything. I don't regret that person being in my life for however long it was like that needed to happen. And I definitely called that in because I was in a very, I will say there's always mirrors. We're attracting mirrors, like whether it's friends, professional or romantic, mm -hmm. it's a mirror of something within you. Mm -hmm. I will say that's the mirror. It was, it was self-worth. It was confidence. It was getting back down to those insecurities and everything. And, and they might disagree that that is, you know, but I think there, there is always a mirror and we can't just say, oh, I attracted another human because they needed help from me. No, we, we tracked because oh. we need help from each other. Nice. We attract because we're a mirror. Mm. So it's not just about that person. It's not just about me. It's about how was it collectively that we fell into each other's path. Mm. You know, as you're speaking, I remember, I'm going to look back in the texts <laughs> that we, we communicated. I asked you, why are you not showing up with your story on their platform? Mm -hmm. And your answer was, because I'm not big enough. And I said, what? I remember saying, what? Mm -hmm. And those were your, and like, as you're speaking now, I'm like, that's what you answered me because I'm not, and I thought you were joking. I really thought you were joking. I, I thought, oh, what do you mean? You're not <laughs> no, really? I'm like, I'm going to go back and look at it because you, that's what you said, because I'm not, I think you said I'm not famous enough or I'm not big enough. And I'm like, really? How, how much more can you give and be awesome to, to feel worthy? 
Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so yeah, that, that I hope you shifted like, because you seem like you're a different and energy, completely different energy, more secure, more, more here, more grounded, but yes. the recovery was very fast. How did that happen? Well, I think, you know, having dove into personal development programs and being open to like, okay, let's learn about me. How, how, what, how can I grow? How can I learn? How can I be better in, in, in myself and a human? Because, um, you know, through that, it was just, it was, it was tough being with someone who was different than me and feeling like I needed to understand that more. So Mm -hmm. that's why I wanted to learn just more. I wanted to understand the other side and the other human. And then as I was going through that, there was this frustration, like last year at the end, toward the end of our relationship, there's just this like deep frustration of like, okay, I've done the work. I've done this. Like, why isn't anything changing? Like, I'm just not feeling that feeling, that intuition of like growth. Like there's growth in other, every other area of your life, but me, why is this happening? And there was this like toxicity that I will say was built up in me. And I was reacting from places I'm not proud of. And I got shingles and I was stressed and I allowed that. Like, this is all on me. I'm taking ownership. I was not showing up as the person I wanted to be because I'm trying to force something that wasn't an alignment. And I couldn't understand it. Yeah. Mm. And I I just, I couldn't understand it. And then, um, so once everything happened, I understood. Mm. Once I received (laughs) the evidence, I understood like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. This is the, that feeling I was having, that was the misalignment within us, which I get now. And that choice that the other person made has nothing to do with me. That's their choice. That's their decision to do. And that knowing in my body, that frustration, that toxicity that was building in me, that's because I knew something was not right. And even though I can be told that I'm crazy and that I'm this and that, whatever, I don't care what anyone else says now, I know. I know. And it was this freeing moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm right. Like in my body, I am right. And I get to listen to myself and I get to trust myself. And it was just this, like it's such a beautiful experience. And though, yes, of course. A validation of of who you are. Yes. You know yourself best. Yes. And then of course, you know, when it first happens, there was this like moment of like, (laughs) <laughs> like, oh my God, I can't even breathe right, right now. Right, right. Um, which was, and then I laughed at myself, like, oh, come on, I teach people how to breathe. How am I not breathing right now? Right, right, right. And it did allow me to then work on my breath work, come back down right. into myself and calm down. And I was able to get out of that moment of panic and anxiety. How long and, was that, that period of sadness? I mean, that panic lasted probably in the first like 30 minutes. Sadness comes in, went in waves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there was like a numbness to a crying, to an anger, to a, you know, like, like waves of all kinds of emotions came through me. Did you need to stop working for a while to just take pause yes. to take care of yourself? hundred percent. I first two weeks, I will say I didn't really eat as much. I had a lot more probably rosé and cookies than I probably should have, <laughs> not actual nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped moving and exercising because I was listening to my body. My body just needed to like process. Yeah. And stop for a moment, which was huge for me. Not moving, not working out. That was, I'm grateful that I had that opportunity to just be and, and that's okay. There's no beating up. There's no like disappointment or shame in that. Or guilt. Yes. 
that that uh, perfect Jen needs to be back on the floor doing upside downs yeah. when her world is falling apart. And right. to, to listen to yourself and give yourself permission to, to turn off. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So how and long did you stay in that deep sadness of crying and doubting and replaying in your mind, what if, how could, when, and oh, I'm so dumb and I should have and I could have and that's what it was and all that stuff. How long did that last? I would say it came in waves in the first two months mainly mm -hmm. um, of everything. And I am incredibly blessed with an incredible support system around me. Mm -hmm. Like I must say, one of my best friends came to my side almost immediately she was there. And then immediately we were like looking at apartments together and really? like, Hey, where am I going to move into <laughs> wow. yeah, that same day? Uh, wow. And then my other girlfriends came and I had, I had a team around me. I was never alone for two weeks and I had people willing to open up base. And I think that's like the most important part because I couldn't be around the people that were just like, Oh, great. You know, like great, better, da, da, da. And, and who want to push you through your journey because they don't understand how to be with someone who's processing. So I was also so grateful to be around people who could hold space for if I needed to cry, if I needed to be angry, if I was a little moody. I even right. <laughs> had times of like being a little right. moody where right. the next day I'd be like, ooh, sorry, guys. Right. All good. We get wow. it. Like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, I was talking about it today. Mm. They just said, I, "I'm having a bad day," mm. and Piglet was it. And Piglet said, "I'm here just to sit." Oh, okay, see? yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and that gives me chills. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to sit. We don't have to talk. Mm -hmm. We'll just be here until you'll feel okay. And that's such a lesson in mental health or in struggles or something like that. That yeah. we don't have the answers to everything at all. Mm -mm. You don't have to. Right. And, and just journey doesn't have to look like someone else's. Right. And we don't have to make them feel better. Just by being mm -hmm. is the medicine of better. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes processing it too much and going through it, sometimes we don't want to talk about it. We just want to be sad. We just want to be yeah. moody. We just want to be angry. We just want to, or just eat popcorn and stuff our face with ice cream and know that it's not healthy, but this is what we just need now in exactly. order to overcome that moment. And when we have someone that gets it, that's everything. Yeah. And, and you're super, super connected to your family, like yes. hyper, hyper, hyper <laughs> obsessed with your nieces and nephews and your family. You're very family oriented. I very much. So yeah, value to me highly. And, yeah. And I, I feel like you want your own family. You want, you, like you have so much love to give. I feel like I can see you with like little kids running around doing downward dogs with you on your shoulders, you know, like I could see that you have so much love to give to kids and, and you give yeah. it to your, the people around you. Did they yeah. show up for you? Like you showed oh. up for them? Oh, oh yeah, always. Um, I mean, when everything exploded, it was five days before Christmas. So I had oh. my family with me. Five days before Christmas. What a time. Did the person yeah. ever apologize? Um, yeah. I think what's hard is like processing, <laughs> processing an apology of, of continual behavior, you know, it, like it's, it's actions, it's responsibility, it's ownership. And, and it's knowing that through your choices, though I'm not victim to it, through your choices though, it's a whole mental process that I will be continuing healing through for probably the next couple of years. Mm. And anytime someone has been through betrayal or anything like that, it is a process and it's a huge, you affected someone's mental health. Mm. And psyche. Yeah. 
And so though there could be apology for the actions that were done, I think there's still me personally, completely honest, like resentment and in the lack of ownership of what you do to someone else's mental health when you do that. Right. It's not just an apology and moving on. You manipulated something in their mind. It's like running somebody over with a car and you have yeah. to reconstruct them. Yeah. You can't just say, oops, I ran you over. Let's yeah. put you into surgery and put all the limbs back. Right. The mind is broken. Yeah. And that's why it's like, when I told my story too, it wasn't to be like, look at me, a strong, powerful woman, and I'm walking away. Because I get in every scenario, that doesn't happen. And there are some people that must stay, mm-hmm. whether it's for family or finances or anything else. And I think whatever path you choose is the path for you. Mm-hmm. And it's hard either way. It's hard to walk away. It's hard to stay. Mm-hmm. And more power to you for being able to make a choice, whatever choice that is for you. It's just understand that there is a process and there's a grace that you get to give yourself and hopefully your partner will as well. Because mm-hmm. it is a huge mental thing that you are now processing through of what is reality? What is true? What is true for me? Who am I? What is my truth? How can I find my intuition again through this? How can I bring to the surface my own self-worth through this process? Being along that mental journey, whether you're staying with the person or whether you're leaving, that is like I will say, give yourself grace allow yourself to go through waves and periods of of crying and release and frustration. Go in your room, throw pillows, scream into pillows, whatever you need. Like releasing anger and processing that is so incredibly huge. I remember I did Christine Hassler's retreat, which was an all-women's retreat about a month and a half after everything. And it was such a gift. By the time that retreat came around, I was like, oh, I've done all the work. I'm good. Like, I don't know why I'm here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is her retreat? Um, It's just like a two and a half day retreat for women to really start to open up into like whatever we need to process through some personal development stuff, um, forgiveness. Like there's, there's so many layers to us as humans and especially as women and being able to embody all these different parts of our masculinity and our femininity and being able to to unmask where deeper emotions or processes within our neurological system and our mind are stuck. Like how do we process that? How do we come into our higher selves? Like she has amazing processes to take you through. And one of them in particular that really hit me, we were doing what she calls an anger burn. And I could even feel it as she was talking about it, blood boiling and anger shaking. And I was like, oh, I need this. (laughs) Like, I need this. And she talks about like, especially for women, we don't have great releases of anger. Like it's not proper. It is not... um, Feminine. It's not feminine. Mm -hmm. So women don't have as many outlets to Mm -hmm. release anger Mm -hmm. because it's looked down upon. And Mm -hmm. so she allowed us to release anger (laughs) and her, oh my gosh, um, her fiance happened to be in the room as well in case anyone needed to release anger toward a man and no one was getting hurt. (laughs) Is that Um, true? Yeah, he he was in the room. Some women were very triggered by this. Like, I don't want to release and be angry in front of a man, right? So that's something else they had to process. I was like, sign me up. (laughs) (laughs) Front row here, Jen, front row. (laughs) And bring your boxing gloves because it's brutal. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I literally, like no joke, could feel like energy tingling going through my arms as I'm releasing and I'm screaming and I'm crying and I'm allowing this anger to come out of me. And I felt like a different human after that. Do you think that's why, oh, by the way, Jen has found a new boyfriend that is phenomenal, phenomenal, really phenomenal. And do you think that the process was what invited him into your life? Totally. Yeah, I do. And uh, that was, he was super unexpected to meet when I did. And it was fast, according to a lot of people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity of someone I was connecting with on deeper levels than I've ever connected with in my entire life. And I was like, well, I'm going to continue to explore and see what this is about and see who this human is. (laughs) Were you afraid to love again? No. 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 Wow. So you showed up as Jen? Yeah. 100. I was, and I've, I showed up in ways that like, I never would have in the past. I want to say that. that. (laughs) Oh, uh, that's what I wanted to say. I'm so happy you said it because I said it's not proper. I shouldn't say it. Uh, I'll say, Mm -hmm. I'll tell it to her after record. I want to tell you something and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Okay. Yeah. If I'm right or wrong, I am watching you through the process with him. And I feel that there is something that you are so loving of you being comfortable with yourself with him and not needing to prove it. And you don't know how to express it because it's just so much on and on and on. And you're just, you're loving this incredible feeling. And then there's like, can this be real? Oh my gosh, let's take it again. Let's do this again. Let's take it to the next level. And you're just loving the fact that you can be you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I I see it. (laughs) I'm so glad. (laughs) And he gives you the space and the, the, just the, the love and the just shine, just be you. And that's all I want. And when you're you, I'm 100%. Mm Yeah. Hundred, hundred percent. I mean, I, like meeting him so soon and and this intense connection that we had. I was saying things like, "Listen, this is great, but I'm not like if if you wanted this to progress and turn into a relationship, you have to be in with my family. Like you'd have to meet my family before right. you wanted to progress into something with me, and they'd have to approve. Not right. not going through that whole thing again where they don't approve anymore. Oh. <laughs> Oh. And then, um, and then I also said, like, I'm not looking for just a boyfriend. I'm looking right. for a partner. I'm looking for someone to do life with. And I totally understand if like that scares you or you're not ready for that. Like, all good. But that's that's just where I'm at. And he was like, great, sign me up. Like, wow. all these things that should be scaring a human away, we're only drawing him in closer. Right. But that's your energy that you worked on to get rid of the out with the old, in with the new, fresh forgiveness, working on yourself. And you, you jump started it by, by all the years that you had the self-help, but then you had the crisis. Then you went deep, deep under, but you came floating up so fast. And I really believe that it has to do with your exercise and with your mobility and all that. I really honestly believe that people that do exercise every single day, people that breathe properly every single day, people mm-hmm. that get their energy out, their crisis will be, it won't be, it's not that they won't have a crisis. It just won't live as long. hundred percent. I mean, uh- we literally know that our body is connected and we process and we say that all the time, but we don't understand how, how much, like even 
we're, we're studying things like laxity, hypermobility, like when someone's super flexible, like, um, like you look at me and I'm flexible, but not compared to like contortionists or anyone like, you know, other people. And when you have a lot of hypermobility within the body, it actually studies show like you have hypermobility in other places, more prone to asthma, more prone to, to allergies, more prone to all these other things, or the other way around, hypomobility. If things aren't moving well within our body, our arteries aren't going to move very well, our veins aren't going to move very well. You can have heart disease, you can have high cholesterol, all these other processes. So it's like, we're not just talking about exercise. We're talking about a whole body, it all goes together. And so if I can get my fluids moving better, if I can get my fascia sliding, then that means my arteries are going to move and slide. My veins aren't going to be are moving and sliding. My nerves aren't going to be inflamed and they're going to be able to move and not feel as much pain and tension. It all goes together. So I know you have to go and I have a few more questions. Do I have five minutes? Yes. Okay. First, I want to leave the audience that's going through mental health or audience that sees somebody that's going through mental health challenges and wants to prevent their big baseball bat on the head from lasting long, can you give them two or three tips to do every single day that will keep a healthy mindset? Yes. First thing um, is just, so everyone talks about meditation. If that's a hard thing, like, I don't know how to shut off my mind. I can't do that. Breathe. So what I take people, my clients all the time is breath work is the number one thing that we do first. And that just means, okay, so I'm, I say like five to 10 minutes before you go to bed, at least start with that and then learn how to like process it within your day, whether you're driving at your desk or anything else. But what we want to focus on for a breath cycle, and when we look at a typical breath cycle, we see the inhalation phase and the exhalation phase. Well, the inhalation phase is actually more of like in your autonomic system, that's your sympathetic. So that's like your, your fight, flight, freeze. That's Mm -hmm. your, when someone scares you and you go, (gasps) Mm. and you take that inhalation and Uh you hold it. Mm. Now the body gets really stiff and tight and it guards because it feels like, oh no, we're in danger. Now imagine living in that inhalation phase all the time. The chest is rising, the, the, uh, the ears or the shoulders are going up into the ears. You're using accessory muscles way too much and you're just kind of like stuck breathing in and out through your mouth more so, and which is also a, a response and a sympathetic like fight, fight, freeze. If we're, if we're in that state of mind all the time and if we're in that state of being, our body, all our body knows is that it needs to protect you. Mm-hmm. It's going to release cortisol. It's going to release adrenaline. It's going to, to add sensitivity and, and, and uh, inflammation to your nerves. So all of a sudden pain and, and other things are going to be a lot more sensitive. Muscles are going to be tight and tensioned because they feel like they need to be on guard. No matter how much you foam roll or get a massage, it's going to come back because that's where your body lives. I just understood anxiety. <laughs> yeah. You just gave me a lesson in anxiety and why I get a headache and, and my, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Most of the time. And especially if we're talking about headache things, all these accessory muscles up by our shoulders and our neck, they're only supposed to work if we need them to. They're accessory, right? So if I'm running a long time or I'm doing something like that, and then I start to need to use those muscles, Mm -hmm. then they kick on. But if they're kicking on all throughout the day, of course, I'm going to get migraines and headaches Mm -hmm. and and I'm using all this extra pressure and all this extra work that doesn't need to be happening. But now if I can tap into that exhalation phase, that going to get a massage and that, ah, that's what we want to focus on. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's like, don't just take the deep breath. Because mostly when we think, oh, take a deep breath, we focus on the inhalation. Our shoulders rise up to our ears Uh and we get this lifting in our chest. 
that's not doing anything to help. We need to be focused on the exhalation. So how can I do a, a smaller inhalation where I'm focusing on expanding the rib cage rather than lifting the rib cage? And how can I focus on a longer exhalation so I'm actually starting to stimulate and turn on my vagus nerve, which is going to help in my par- turning on my parasympathetic, turning on that rest, relax, digest system that we need in order to calm down. We are able to control it. Wow. Wow. Now I understand so much about my body and my anxiety and my relationship to my stiffness and my headache. So so you're saying every day we should practice a few minutes. Yes. A few minutes of focusing on the out on the exhalation. exhalation. Focus yes. on it. Focus on yes. the breathing. And and put I like to put the hands around the low rib cage. So if you're lying on your back, put your hands around your low rib cage. Give it a little squeeze and see if you can take a slow breath in from the nose into those hands to expand, not by lifting, not by tensioning, but just by kind of using that rib cage. See if you can get it to expand because underneath that rib cage is your diaphragm. That's where the diaphragm needs to move and drop and lift. So it's not by lifting the rib cage, but it's expanding the rib cage. And if we can get into that and then a slow exhalation from our mouth, that really retrains the diaphragm. So slow, like four seconds in through the nose, eight seconds out through the mouth, really, really, really slow, like you're blowing through a straw and feel those hands come together and then do it again and then do it again. And and really practicing that kind of breath, especially then when you start to get into stressful situations. So mm-hmm. say you're stuck in traffic, practice the breath. Mm -hmm. Can you calm down? Say you're experiencing a moment of pain. Practice the breath. Mm -hmm. See if it goes away. I've had clients that practice this breath laying down five years of back pain and suddenly it's gone. Wow. Just from breathing. I believe that this can help panic attacks. 100%. I really believe that I wouldn't have so many panic attacks back in the day if I had this technique of breathing. I talk about breathing. You have to learn how to breathe, breathe, breathe. Mm-hmm. But I wish someone taught me that excellent, the focus on that and the ribcage and the understanding. First of all, the understanding, the mechanics yeah. of it is yeah. huge and why we go into, like when they say, when you have a panic attack, don't do because <laughs> yeah. it gets even worse. And now I really understand why it gets worse because we're going into like protection mode, which is not good at all. Right. What's another tip you can give us to prepare ourselves for a crisis or to, or to, or to lessen the impact? Yeah. So anything that stimulates that vagus nerve, I'm going to continue to talk about that because that's our respiratory nerve. That's our nerve that turns on our sympathetic or turns on our parasympathetic. So things like, I love the Corgis ball. Um, It's by Tune Up Fitness and it's just this little ball that you can deflate a little bit and you can put it underneath the rib cage, kind of laying on the stomach. It's going to feel a little uncomfortable, but again, underneath that rib cage is where the diaphragm rests. So if we can start to release some of the, the tension in that rib cage, relax the belly, as women, we're told to hold it in and, and stand up straight. Relax. <laughs> we get to relax the belly, mm-hmm. breathe over that. And I have videos on this and everything. We can actually start to help stimulate that vagus nerve again. Even if you gently start to like kind of rub into the hip area where your um, where your hip flexor muscles are, the psoas. People think that we're, the psoas is actually super, super deep. But what we can be stimulating there is is talking to our vagus nerve because 
it has a track that goes down the psoas. So we can be stimulate the, stimulating the vagus nerve. It can be stimulating um, the lymphatic system and getting fluids to move better. So just by breathing and kind of kind of rubbing into that inside hip area down low by the pelvis. Um, even if you just grab your fingers underneath the rib cage and kind of wiggle back and forth, sometimes it's hard to grip that rib cage and it doesn't feel so good. But starting to massage into those areas, you're really going to start to free up fluid, get lymph moving. Another thing I love to recommend is just dry brushing. You can get a dry brush super cheap on Amazon, look up on a YouTube video how to dry brush. Again, getting lymph to move. That's going to help with this whole system, taking out the toxins, breathing, um, getting you just clearer and feeling better. And then my last tip is just starting to breathe in and out through the nose more throughout the day, especially when you're sleeping. Our nose is our respiratory area. Our mouth is for eating. <laughs> How do so we know when we're sleeping if we're, our mouth is open? It's very hard. You can put like a piece of scotch tape vertically so if you accidentally open your mouth, it's okay. It's going to come off. <laughs> you know, it's not going to suffocate you. But it's really honestly like if we can breathe in and out through our nose, we release something called nitric oxide, which opens up our blood vessels. So then we can get more oxygen moving throughout our body, wake up without this fog, without this fatigue, you know? So if we can start to move fluids, get you breathing better, get you your oxygen moving throughout your brain, you're just going to feel so much better every single day. Wow, no wonder you're so sunshine every day because you're doing this all day long. So I'm trying like, to, yeah. So just have this happy, it's like the happy pill because you're <laughs> doing it all day long. So it's like, it's natural to you. You're releasing all these, these positive hormones and yeah. these fresh, the blood is rushing and you're just, you're in positive mode. And that's why I think, I mean, you did so much work. You really did so much work, but I really think that your bouncing back was because you're so fit and you know how to use your body to calm your mind, calm the trauma and work through the trauma. Yeah. And and I hope, I hope our, my listeners understand how important it is to prepare and not wait for crisis because yeah. I, I, I don't know if you would be on my show smiling if you weren't prepared for the war that you would have to take with your mind. Agreed. Jen, what are those two bracelets that say? I used to have one that said "Great, grateful and I lost it in London. I'm so upset. What are yours? Um, one says awareness because that is my number one tool that I'm providing people. I am not fixing anyone, but I'm guiding people into awareness into their own body so they can learn how to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and then my other one says my truth and it says queen and my partner's says the same thing and his says king. You got it as a couple? We made it for each other. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Do you think that you're well enough to bump into the person that hurt you and not go into pan like that? sad, angry face, or is it going to take years to get to that spot? Or are you not even working on that? Or like, you're like, I want to hate him forever. No, no, no. Um, you know, I think my body response would probably still go into a little bit of panic. I think I will know how to treat that and respond in that manner. I, yeah, I'm still... I would say working through resentment, leftover. It's like it's like someone bringing up a food you don't like, and you're like, "Ooh, allergy," <laughs> or you're allergic, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you have just like a like a reaction that happens. It's still right. like that kind of thing. Still, right. what message do you want to give women 
then if you have one message to give them about betrayal to take with them, what would that be? Trust yourself. You always know, like you, you know, deep into, into you, who you are and, and the beauty and the light that is within with side. So trust that, shine from that, lead from that. And, you know, that's truly the most, what, that was the biggest lesson for me. And, and it's the trust that allowed me to not be jaded and believe in the world and believe in humanity. And because I have amazing humans around me, absolutely mm. amazing. And I've called right. it an amazing partner. So it's, it's possible, but it starts within you. Trust mm. yourself. Trust that gut. I like that. I'm going to ask you a question that I always ask. The name of the podcast is Hope to Recharge. And I hope that every episode gives a little bit of a recharge for those that are struggling with mental health. What does hope mean to you? Hope for me means the knowing that there's light. No matter what darkness I might be going through or experiencing or feeling, I will have grace and be open to ride that wave because hope knows that there's light. Mm, Something to the effect of every night ends and the day comes after every night. Mm -hmm. That's that's nice that there's always light, even if it's super, super dark now, the light come around. It doesn't stay dark forever. Exactly. Thank you so much. That's so much to take in. And first of all, thank you so much for that that, that breathing technique. I'm going to be like really practicing it. Uh, I, it's gonna, it's really going to change. By the way, those little balls I used to say to put underneath the shoulder and the lower back changed my life. When I have a migraine, I do, I'm like, where's the hard little ballie? I need it for my leg. Where is it? My kids know, like, go find mommy the little ballie that can help unwind yeah for that thank you for your service thank you for living out loud thank you for not being ashamed to share your pain thank you for impacting people thank you for showing up thank you for smiling thank you for you and don't stop being you and tell your boyfriend i don't know his name that i love watching you through him because you're just different you're just different and you giggle a lot and you're just comfortable and you're flowing and it's really beautiful to watch and never stop being you, really never stop being you. How can people find you? Uh, Doc Fit on all the things, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, website, Doc Fit across the board. <laughs> okay, we're going to have it in the show notes. And if you suffer with any mobility problem, ask her the question and she will respond because she yeah. is just awesome. Thank you so much guys thank you for listening thank you jen you can reach us on hope to recharge.com you can go to the hope to recharge community and we would love to hear your intake on this episode if you went through the same thing of being happy go lucky and then something happened in your life and you did it did it give you um a dead end or were you able to rise above like jen did share with us please have a great one Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.